Welcome, y'all, to the Direct Examination Podcast. I'm Dane Phillips. And I'm Joseph Diaz. We are missing our third co-host, Amber. She sends her love and regards, um, but she's on mommy duty today. But we have illustrious guests this week, as we always do. But before we get to those guests, Dane, how are you? I'm doing amazing. I hope the same for you. Uh, You know what? I'm enjoying this cold weather, living the uh, dream in South Carolina. Everything's great. You know, I'm not a cold weather fan or the rain fan. So ready ready to get past all this. Yeah, rain I could do without, but it's February. It's supposed to be cold. Well, we are thrilled to that you're listening. If you are listening, like, subscribe, share. Um, I think it's out of order. Isn't it like, share, subscribe? Well, I'm trying to mix it up, Dane, but yes, you, whatever order you do them in, just do them. Um, spread the word so that we can continue to have uh, wonderful guests. Um, in addition, if you're listening to this, chances are you're a lawyer or a law student. They need mock trial judges at USC for their mock trial competition in February. If you are listening to this and you want to or are able to help, um, contact the USC Mock Trial Bar, follow them on Twitter, and they can help uh, guide you to where uh, you need to go as far as judging. Additionally, if you're listening to this, the South Carolina Bar needs mock trial judges. We've had, we did an episode in the past on mock trial. Everyone knows how important they are to this uh, program. Changed your life. It changed my life, uh, made me become a lawyer. And so if you want that similar impact on children, on uh, young students, then Volunteer for the mock trial uh, bar, even if it's over Zoom, it makes it even easier to be a judge. And we would certainly appreciate you'll become a friend of the podcast. Yeah, tell them that uh, direct direct examination sent you. Exactly. Um, Dane, with no further ado, we are going into Black History Month. So all this month, we're going to have um, some great topics and guests focusing on Black History Month and focusing on racial issues. And, you know, this is a wonderful way to get us started this month. We have two USC law students. We have Sahad Najjar, who is a third year law student at the University of South Carolina Law School. She's a first generation Palestinian immigrant who grew up in Columbia, but she serves as the symposium editor or one of the symposium editors for the South Carolina Law Review. Our other guest is Zachary Turner, who's from Indiana, got his undergrad degree from Indiana University. I don't know why he's down here, but hey, he made it down here. He's a currently a law clerk for the AJZ law firm, who's their friends in the park. We need to have Amy on at some point as well. And he's also a symposium editor for the South Carolina Law Review with Saha. They're here today to talk about the 2021 South Carolina Law Review Symposium on Friday, February 19, 2021. It's called Taxation, Finance, and Racial Injustice. You can register, find out more information about the symposium at selawreview.org slash 2021-symposium, or just look for the link on our Twitter feed, which is, of course, at SCLawPod. Symposium is approved for six hours of tax CLE credit, 0.5 hours of ethics CLE credit for our South Carolina listeners. That was a mouthful, but welcome, Ms. Najjar, Mr. Turner. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're, we're definitely excited. We always like when we have law students on, you know, because we be able to be impressionable young minds here. But obviously, you're the smartest of the group. Right. Uh, Joseph and I, look, we're not law review people. So uh, we, you know, we're not smart enough to be on. A law <laughs> I can very confidently say that. 
but you are. So we have some good questions for you. So you can certainly educate us and uh, let us know kind of, I guess the, the first question that comes to mind for me is the theme of the symposium. How does that process work? Does the law review, do you meet and start throwing up topics? You got a topic board, start narrowing things down. How did you ultimately decide that this was the, the right theme for the symposium? So our EIC together with the symposium editors come up with a topic. We knew from last year when the editor-in-chief was elected that we wanted to do something on diversity or racial justice, something within that realm. And initially we were thinking about doing um, diversity in legal education. And when we just kept thinking of different ideas, but over the summer, uh, the D Dean Miller and Dean Colin Miller, who was on the show, I think recently, and um, professor, one of our tax professors came up with the idea of of this like specific, you know, racial injustice and taxation. And that's how we decide on this topic. So again, with uh, kind of putting it together, I, I assume you had a lot of input from the tax professor, because I'll be honest, for me, as a criminal defense lawyer, I wouldn't know where to start. I could certainly talk for days about the systemic issues uh, with uh, race in the criminal justice system and plenty of injustices to discuss. But when it comes to tax, I'm way out of my element. So how did y'all really do a deep dive in trying to build together uh, the course, you know, doing the course planning and outlining the major issues that's going to be addressed at the symposium? I think, uh, like you said, the fact that we had Professor Davis step up and she's worked with us throughout the entire process. And the fact she knows all the people in the field. So she placed us in connection with other people and we kind of spiraled from there. The symposium also has its book three for law review. So we have submissions from people and that way we could kind of group what the topics were. You know, we had the, the topics of, you know, property tax and searching for and wrestling with the data and race, social capital and wealth and the work race and tax. And those are all based on article submissions. And when we talk to each um, speaker, we kind of ask them for an idea of what they're interested in. And we looked at their work and that helped us group them together in a sense. So that's that's kind of how we went about that. You know, if, if someone is interested in attending this symposium and it, it is online, it's virtual, what What's the general theme? What do you want attendees to get from the symposium um, that you know maybe they would not be exposed to otherwise? I think the biggest thing. Um, so if you think about like criminal law or employment, you know, discrimination, we know that you know these there are racial inequalities that exist within those like systems, like the criminal justice system and all. But I think a lot of the time with tax law, we we don't tend to think about how it implicates race or how it's also, um, you know, tax law was used for the longest time to preserve racial inequalities. You know, if you go back in history, and I think people, I mean, personally, myself, I don't, I don't really understand tax law first of all, so I can't even like pinpoint things that are like, you know, like oh, that's problematic. But I think um, that in itself, the fact that people feel that they're unaware and all that, we don't tend to um, scrutinize the the tax system as much either. So I think the biggest thing is to understand how even within uh, tax policy, like there's a conversation to be had when it comes to tax policy. So here's <laughs> the thing that was, as I was really thinking about this, what kind of really came to mind. 
what's the shocking things that you've learned, right? In doing the research and building this symposium, what are the things that was just like, my God, I didn't realize either the historical relevance or the uh, just overall scheme, you know, what made it a systemic racist issue or what are the things that just stood out to you that you had no idea, you know, you pull the blinders off and, you know. As you're preparing the uh, symposium, yeah. Exactly. You once were blind, but now you can see. So personally, I took tax policy seminar this semester because I wanted to be more well-versed in tax policy because as Zach said, like this was an area where we just didn't know anything about it. But for example, like I, you know, recently, you know, one of the things that we, we covered was like credits and how credits are, you know, usually used, thought of as the, these positive things that don't, you don't necessarily equate with exasperating uh, you know, certain inequities that exist in society. But, you know, like, for example, the earned income tax credit that, you know, is given to certain families, you know, it's phased in and it's phased out. And because of that, it impacts people in different ways, people without children, you know, it doesn't account for people who have no income at all. It stigmatizes people who, um, you know, it's considered sort of like a welfare rather than like a credit. And so, you know, those were things that before to me just felt like, oh, this is a good thing we're giving, you know, this, this credit for, you know, people of low income households, that, which usually are disproportionately um, minority households. And so looking into that myself, like through tax policy, and I'm sure a lot of people during the symposium are going to be exposed to all of this components of the tax system. For me, that was like some of the most shocking things that I'm, that I'm still learning about, actually. Zach, what about you? I think it was kind of like Saha said earlier, it's just um, it's prevalent everywhere. You know, it's, it's something that you don't think about ever. You, you file your, file your taxes once a year and that's, that's it. You know, you wait for tax season. Um, but like the way that they can use the system to control people. And I, I think that was what was eye-opening to me, especially because like the, the property tax issue, one of the panelists is going to talk about a study that he did and he has some graphics showing, how they use property tax to basically extort you out of your home. And it's, and they place you in places, you know, you have gentrification and all these other issues and they do it on at a level that you don't ever think about. And it was one of the things reading these papers and seeing what panelists have to say, which everyone will be able to when they attend the symposium on February 19th. Uh, he's plugging it already it's it's great i love it you don't think about it it's so many times things that you do and you never think about so that's what why i was interested in pursuing this topic as well you know it's kind of funny dane and i have joked on this podcast before about how the abject terror that we have for family law because we don't want anything to do with it. And frankly, tax law kind of falls into that same basket with me, where if I see tax stuff, I'm running the other way. And I'm a lawyer. You know, if we're talking about the public education of tax and its implications, you know, if, you know, John Q. Public, who works at McDonald's or Walmart or whatever else, knows that they have to pay an income tax, knows that they have to file state and federal taxes, but have no idea about, you know, the different, like you said, the credits that they could have, the different benefits that they have, or like Zach said, how this could be working against you. Um, So I feel like with tax being, you know, such a bad word, um, even to, to folks who have some tangential 
uh, relation to it, you know, having things like these and, and the efforts of, you know, VITA and uh, other organizations trying to educate the public about tax, I think it's overdue. And um, I don't know that you change the world with one symposium, but maybe you can inspire some lawyers to get out there and maybe uh, make some efforts about it because ultimately this is something that scares the crap out of me. Well, I, so, you know, one of the things, I mean, a lot of it seems to be targeted at just socioeconomic to really drive people. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Some of the issues you brought up, if you're in poverty, it's, there's just not the benefit that no benefits there to help you get out of poverty. Is that a lot of the systemic issues? You yeah, basically so get like, penalized, you know, not, you don't get the benefits, but you get the penalties. It's kind of, you get hit both ways. Yeah, I think there are some credits that work to alleviate poverty. Um, and then a lot of the credits also are contingent on, you know, having work. So like, you know, that was the whole idea of the earned income tax credit. But um, but yeah, I think it's like, it punishes, it punishes, and it also punishes certain, like there's like the marriage penalty if you're like, you know, um, within po you're, you're, you know, you're low income, you're also subject to a lot of, um, different kinds of pen penalties, such as the marriage penalty. But I think one of the things also that makes this all, you know, I guess worse, and one of the authors, Jeremy Bearfriend, who's going to be on one of the panels at the symposium, he actually wrote um, a paper about how the IRS basically doesn't even collect information on race, which is very different compared to different agencies where they actually collect um, data so that way they can see how you know how their policies and laws and, and and change them that way, but the IRS doesn't even doesn't even do that. So it kind of makes things a little bit worse, so you, more difficult to assess certain um, provisions. So I'm gonna throw something at you. So in your research, what's your feeling on a flat tax? People, you know, you got a group out there with uh, yelling for a flat tax. Does would that alleviate some of these issues? That's a really good question. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think, okay, so I don't have any, <laughs> that's a tough question. I don't think, um, <laughs> so like- a, You don't have your LLM attacked you? <laughs> yeah. This is just like my immediate, like, you know, my little law yeah. student take on something. <laughs> but I think, so for example, like uh, UBI, you know, universal basic income, or, you know, when it comes to like credits, not necessarily taxing, I do believe in that sometimes, you know, making some, a credit or a tax means tested, I don't know if you know flat tax is is the best is the best way to you know is the best method method. I don't know, Zach. I don't know if you have any ideas. You know, I also work in criminal law, so I <laughs> I will stick for, firmly with what you had to say. I will say though, I I did divide up, and if anyone's interested, another plug: reach out to Pam Pam Robinson at the law school for the Vida program. Uh, future guest. Pam Robinson. That's uh, so right. <laughs> on to discuss uh, that as well. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of guest speakers. Um, you know, Dean Hubbard is going to open the uh, program. Um, friend of the law school and the dean of Howard Law School, uh, and Dean Holly Walker, uh, is going to join us as well. Uh, you know, to go through kind of the panels. Um, particularly since y'all have read the papers and y'all have organized this symposium, just give us the very brief what uh, attendees can expect from this uh, behind the uh, federal tax policy panel. What, what, what can attendees expect from that panel? 
Yeah, so actually we changed the title for that panel. And that one's now uh, Property Taxes Lasting Control on Racial Inequalities. And that panel uh, will lo largely concentrate on how local control over property tax assessment and distribution of the tax property revenues contribute to the racial segregation of housing markets, as well as racial inequalities in housing, schools, and public services. And additionally, that panel is like gonna work and discuss on methods of the profession to address those inequalities through the alternative assessment approaches. Those are, some of those things are outside the papers that were submitted, but that, you know, you gotta have to come and listen to what they have to say about it. That, that's the one with uh, uh, Mark Thorson with the research study. Is there a way, and again, me and Dane weren't on, well, we, we aren't that smart. Um, if we're, someone- We're lucky to have a podcast. Podcasts, we're lucky to have careers. Can you hush? <laughs> somebody come and find us out? If there is a, uh, if someone wanted to read these papers, is there a way for them to do so, or is that available once you sign up for the uh, symposium? Um, so they'll be publishing the book in this, well, in the spring. I think later um, in like March or April, it should be published, like through the South Carolina Law Review, book three. Okay. Yes. If you go to the website, the South Carolina Law Review.org website, it's the full publication for the volume is there. Perfect. One of the other panels, and we don't have to go through every one, but one of the other panel, panels is gonna to touch on um, work, race, and tax, and specifically uh, how it affects, uh, how is it affected by COVID-19? You know, what can the attendees to the symposium, which again, you can go to at sclawreview.org slash 2021-symposium, what can attendees at the uh, symposium kind of expect from that? And especially when it comes to COVID-19 relating to work, race, and tax. Yeah, so um, we have Professor Liu and Professor McMahon on that panel. And actually that we found a moderator for the panel who will be a new professor at University of South Carolina in the fall, Professor Toussaint, um, who's done amazing work um, elsewhere. But um, Professor Liu discusses sort of, you know, um, a federal job guarantee and like UBI, um, and Professor McMahon focuses on like inmates and how those they're affected by um, COVID-19 and then like the racial divide and how they don't have access to certain benefits. Yeah, those that's it in terms of, of that panel. But I think also, you know, we just set it up with uh, Professor Desan. I think he will also contribute to that panel um, in a meaningful way as well. Is there a requirement to be on one of these panels? Is there a requirement that you have to have been in law review? Because I feel like I know two hosts who I'm just saying in the future should be considered. Not at all. I think the, the, the first panel actually doesn't have any law professors. Interesting, interesting. So I mean, possibly a spot for mock trial and moot court alums. <laughs> Just asking for a friend. Look, I'm I'm just saying, you know, we're trying to expand the the, the reach of the show here. We, we need to get out to the hearts and minds of the youth. Um, okay, so six hours of tax CLE credit, 0.5 hours of ethics CLE. Where does the ethics part come in? I'm curious. That is that's a great question. We submitted it to the South Carolina Bar, and they worked uh, their magic as they do behind the scenes, and we got an approval paper, and that was what I wanted. So I think I could. So 
I just helped plan a CLE and we had a, a diversity type panel that addressed uh, systemic racial issues. And that's, they're allowing that under that um, part that we had to submit it the same way and got it approved. So that's, a, that's, that's the good thing is that you're being able to touch on those issues. So, so attendees can get a half an hour credit of ethics CLE, which of course we all need. Um, if you want to get credit for uh, the symposium, it's 50 bucks, which is chump change. It's everybody, all real attorneys, of course, have that in their couch cushions. And if you're going to show up and just are trying to get more information, it's free, right? Yes. All right. So you can't beat that deal. Um, is there anything else as we kind of wrap up? Is there anything else that you have learned in doing this type of, in, in setting this up and reading the papers that maybe you didn't know and that we haven't covered? I think it was just an opportunity where you should always branch out. You know, as both Saha and myself are not tax-based attorneys or, you know, law students, but we were willing, you know, if you're willing to take the time, you can always learn something new from someone else. Um, each one of these panelists, you know, we've had an opportunity to speak with several of them and, you know, you just build the connections and how nice people are and willing to help you. I think also um, one thing that I learned is, you know, Professor Dorothy Brown and a lot of scholars, specifically black scholars have been doing this work for so long and it's relatively new and it's relatively like for me and for a lot of people, you know, a lot of times, sometimes it takes uh, you know, a white male speaker to say something for people to sometimes listen to things. But I think, you know, seeing this work and going back and like, you know, when I was reaching out to Professor Brown, I was looking through all her articles and all the things that she'd done in the past. And this is not new to her. Like, these are things that, you know, um, have people have been advocating for for a very long time. Um, and hopefully it gets the attention that it deserves. Well, so I'm a people person and you're on a podcast. We, I actually want to know more about each of you. You know, uh, what, what do you want to do after law school? I, you know, I think that's also something that's uh, interesting. You're, you're guests on our podcast. So I'd like to know a little bit more about each of you. Um, you know, I, it's, it's like he said, Joseph said, I am from Indiana. I came down here actually because I'm from South Carolina when I was like a young, young buck. So believe it or not, I used to have a very Southern accent. Uh, I was from North Augusta. So I'm coming home. My mom actually said she was pregnant with me at William Bryce Stadium. So I guess I just came back to the, my homeland. Um, after school, that's a great question. We'll, we'll see what happens. First, I would like to pass the South Carolina bar. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But you clerk for a primarily criminal defense firm. We know Amy and... And, you know, she was recently involved in a, a tremendous case out of that I was able to kind of talk with them through. And I mean, they her, her Amy and Amy, that's what I always say, just did an incredible job. The amount of work, passion and effort. And I assume you got to work on I that did. case. I did right? get to see some things on that case I was Why not allowed to talk about, but it was um, it was very interesting and you could see the passion. It was incredible, honestly. No, it's an experience you won't forget, I promise. So how, what about you? My family moved to the United States when I was 10 months old. They came straight to Columbia and I grew up here. Um, after high school, I went to the University of Michigan for undergrad. I just wanted to 
go somewhere cold and then I learned a lesson and came right back. <laughs> um, I actually went abroad for three years after undergrad. I went back to Palestine and worked there, um, worked as a translator for some time. And um, yeah, so now I'm in law school and I have a child. I have a kid. He's one. Awesome. What, what are you looking to do after you uh, get out? That's, I mean, like, then what happens next? I know my long-term goals are to do criminal defense or immigration law. Like that's, that's kind of. Um, so we call that crimigration and it's, yeah, a, exactly. and it's a great, I mean, that is a perfect blend. They marry well together. Yeah, that would be the dream. Yeah, but the work that I did over my summers was um, I worked at a more in Van Allen, Charlotte, transactional work. I quickly learned that I don't want to do transactional law. And yeah, yeah it's something else. <laughs> um, and I also worked um, here at Nelson Mullins, uh, did some defense, but um, yeah, didn't spend much time doing criminal or immigration law, you know, but hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, we really appreciate y'all taking a little bit of time to talk to us. Um, if they want more information on the uh, symposium, you can go to the website, selawreview.org slash 2021-symposium. You can get more information about the symposium itself. And SE Law Review um, has a Twitter account that you can follow, um, which we'll link to on our Twitter account. It's at SE Law Review. Um, you can always follow us at the podcast at SC Law Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Um, and apparently Instagram, but I don't do the, I don't know who does our Instagram stuff. We haven't messed with it. It's, yeah, we don't, it's, we don't mess with it. And we don't have a TikTok yet. So sorry for, you know, the kids who are listening to this, who are looking for that sweet, sweet legal TikTok action. Um, but you can follow me at Bios. <laughs> you can follow Dane at SC Krim Lawyer. And you can follow Amber at Red Judicata. Um, Saha. Zach, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank y'all so much. Again, you know, as we say, like, share, and subscribe. You know, please let you know let the, let all these other law students know what they're missing out. You know, we we did have uh, Professor Miller, uh, Professor Black. We've had plenty of your uh, fellow law students on over the, over the years. Dean Hubbard. I mean, so you know, spread the word. If yes, we are the we are the pot of the people right now. South Carolina is our favorite uh, law school, but you know what? We can be bought. So Charleston, <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening uh, to the Direct Examination Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Take care.